seems one thing has been true all along You don't really know what you got till it's gone I guess I've had it with you and your career When you come back I won't be here and you can sing it Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean, not in his typical location of lacrosse, but actually on a business trip in the great city of Fond du Lac, where some of the greatest people were born and raised. Um, so we'll bring Matt in here in a quick second here. Uh, actually, a lot of things to talk about that have happened uh, in the last couple of days and in the last two weeks since we last spoke with you. Also, some things that happened uh, in the weeks uh, before the Super Bowl that Matt was not able to comment on that we'd like to get his thoughts on. And also the return of a what-if segment that we've actually gotten from a great fan who's been commenting on a lot of our things on YouTube and has also submitted some topics of his own, and we'll get to one of those as well uh, later in the show. But right now we're going to bring Matt back in here. And Matt, the song that I used at the beginning of this show uh, is kind of reflective of my feelings it's kind of a weird time to be a Packer fan, and if you just kind of think back to 14 months ago when it felt like this team was going to be the NFL's next great dynasty, and now all of a sudden you turn the calendar pages a few times and we don't have any more Donald Driver, Charles Woodson, probably no more Greg Jennings, other guys like Ryan Grant and some of the other familiar faces are gone, and you go from being a team that you think might be one of the best all time to a 2013 team that you might not know is good enough to make the playoffs in the NFC. So it's kind of a, a weird time to be a Packer fan, to say the very least. Right. It, I mean, it's really bizarre. Like you said, you look back after we won the Super Bowl, we were all thinking multiple Super Bowl rings for this team, but now just a year, two years later, most of the, those big names are gone, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you look at a guy like A.J. Hawk might still be out. Uh, Finley might still be out, so I, there's still a lot of things that could happen. But yeah, to lose Jennings, Driver, Woodson in that short of a period of time is is quite a shock to I think most Packer fans. Yeah, and I was just thinking about watching the highlights from Super Bowl 45, and all over the screen you see Greg Jennings and you see Driver cheering on the sidelines and Woodson getting hurt. The Nick Collins pick six. I mean, it almost feels like it was ten years ago uh, that team that won that day. Yeah, and like you previously mentioned, I, when you lose all those guys, I mean, you could probably argue that all of them are obviously in the, for Driver and Woodson towards the end of their careers, but other guys like Nick Collins and, and Jennings you know, might be on the downswing anyways. We don't know if Collins will ever play again anyways, but, you know, <laughs> that's a lot of people to lose, even if they might be on the downswing of their careers or at the end of them or, or whatever. It's still a lot of talent to lose and a lot of your faces of your franchise to lose all at once. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, even though they might not be what they once were, I mean, that's a lot to lose. Yeah, and we've all lost most of it since the last time you and I spoke on Green right. and Gold Forever, which is really kind of weird. Let's get into some of the big stories, and I want to start with the one, actually two stories that you didn't get a chance to comment on last week, and the big one being the retirement of Donald Driver, who on a previous episode you've said is your all-time favorite Packer, and just uh, an all-around good guy, and I thought I'd give you an opportunity to to say whatever it is you want to say about him and his career. Sure. Um, well, 
I'll stay away from the frustrations. We've talked about that on past episodes, kind of how they handled the end of his career here. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, you can't say enough about this guy. I mean, I don't want to drill it into anybody's heads more than it already has been because we've heard about it for weeks and even months, how great of a guy this guy is in, in the community, on the field, as a teammate. I mean, really the perfect athlete in terms of somebody who's involved with the team and, and the community. Um, so, you know, as I previously mentioned, you know, seeing him kind of early on in his career, I always thought he was going to be a great player someday. And I was really, really became a huge fan when he started to become that because I started telling everybody, told you so. Um, but he, you know, he took the Packers to places that, you know, I didn't know if they they were going to be reaching again any time in, in our recent lifetimes or in the near future. And mm-hmm. he definitely helped get us back there. I mean, he was really the one consistent from – early 2000s on to this current generation of Packers. He was really the only one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just a great ambassador for the game, a great person, as I, as I mentioned. Everybody knows that. You know, you can't really say anything about this guy that hasn't already been said. You know, I've been lucky enough to meet him in person a couple of times and say hi. Um, he's he's <laughs> nice enough to say hi to everybody who comes up to him and everything. So mm-hmm. um, it's it's sad to see him go. I, I think it's the, definitely the right time for him. I would have hated to see him wind up on another team, but... Uh, I think it's the right time. I love all the things they did for him, and obviously all the fan support. It was great. So, you know, a great career, and I think he went out with a with a bang here with all the coverage of this and everything. Yeah, and I was curious to see if you had gotten a chance to see his retirement ceremony at all. Uh, I mean, the one thing that was really nice about that, uh, the whole package was great, but the really nice thing was we had kind of speculated, and others had speculated if there was something between him and McCarthy, the fact that he didn't get to play very much, especially in some garbage time at the end of that playoff game, and mm-hmm. and then to see McCarthy get choked up talking about him uh, really kind of maybe quelled some of those concerns a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. That kind of almost made me mad a little bit. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, I didn't get a ch- I was working, and I, I didn't get a chance. I totally forgot to DVR it, but I did get to see most of the stuff. Um, it was all really nice. It, the one thing that kind of makes me mad, I don't know why it bothers me so much, but all the Dancing with the Stars stuff, it's like, oh, I, yeah. I don't care about any of that stuff. And when I, they showed the tribute video with all these people saying, it was like half the people from Dancing with the Stars, like, ah, yeah. I don't care about that at all. <laughs> so I, I Yeah, didn't they have Urkel on there? Like, I, I'm yeah. like, what, what about Aaron Rodgers? Right. Maybe he's more important to his opinion on Driver's career than Urkel's. Right, and I, I, there's a huge fan base for him that really care about him only because he was on that show, and I, yeah. I kind of picture like middle-aged ladies sort of thing. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I guess I understand. But that was kind of frustrating to me when I watched that. I was like, God, shut up, just get back to his football <laughs> career. Yeah, that was kind of uh, bizarre. I completely kind of forgot about it, but then you mentioning that, I, I did notice how silly that was and a lot of those tribute things. I guess that it was kind of, I, I want to agree with what you said, and I, I talked about it with Caleb uh, two weeks ago, but I do agree. I feel like it was the right time, and, and maybe a little side conversation to have that uh, we can get into real quick here, especially considering we're going to talk about Brett Favre momentarily. He mentioned that he wanted to stay and be a Packer all time and thinking about fan loyalty and stuff, and, and that just got me thinking about, you hear that a lot in sports, and I'm quite honestly very torn about that as far as the loyalty to the fans and where that comes in to play because part of me thinks a guy like driver if he still wants to play well then he should i mean you, you shouldn't retire because of loyalty to certain fan base and if they don't want you anymore and you're not ready to, to move on that you can go play for somebody else but at the same point when you hear it completely the other way where where players 
or or sports fans or sports writers say like a guy like Favre can go do and who cares what the Packer fans think and just go play for the Vikings where you know that shouldn't count for nothing either the fan input whereas it's kind of the old thing we've talked about maybe not on the show but if nobody was watching the games on Sunday you're basically you and your buddies playing in the backyard right um so i guess what are your thoughts on that as far as the dichotomy between being loyal to the fans who cheered you your whole career and then going on to do what you want to do? Right, and I think there definitely has to be, you know, as an athlete, I think that has to weigh on your mind quite a bit when you're making this decision, at least I would hope so. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the instance of, say, like Driver or Woodson, I wouldn't be upset if they went somewhere else and played. I'm not going to be, like, my heart's not going to be ripped out. Sure, it's sad to see maybe see Driver in a Dolphins uniform or whatever, but you know, if he still wants to play and can still play, I'm not going to tell him he has to retire because he's not getting playing time here. Mm-hmm. But it's the times when a guy like Brett Favre wants to go to Minnesota just to, you know, rub it in Packer. And mostly probably the front office, not so much the fans. Yeah. Um, but he wants to get back at him mostly. I mean, he's never come out and say that, but I think everybody realizes that was probably uh, a big reason why he went where he did. So I... You know, and that still sticks in my craw a little bit. I So I, I guess I don't blame these players. If they want to still play, do it, but handle it in the right way, I guess, mm-hmm. at least. Um, whereas I would say Brett didn't, but a guy like Driver, and even a guy like Woodson, he's going out with class, he's going to play elsewhere, but I have no qualms about it. I would prefer if he didn't go to Chicago or Minnesota, but, you yeah. know, I, I feel like he's handling it the right way, so he can kind of more do what he wants to do. Yeah, and even the Favre one bothers me less as the years go by. I mean, it, it obviously is where he wanted to go, uh, a huge reason being to stick it to the Packers. But if you look at 2009, was there any other team in the league that was a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender like the Vikings were? I mean, nope, even not really. I mean, even from that standpoint, it still makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and gosh, I hope Woodson signs with like New England or something. You know, yeah. just get him out of the conference. But we'll see. The other big story that happened while you were away was the Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers reconciliation of sorts on the NFL Awards show. And I guess the two questions I had for you were, uh, did you see it? Uh, and if you if you didn't or did, what was your reaction to it? And then I guess I'll throw a third question in there. Do you think this means that uh, Favre is going to come back anytime soon? Um, I've, I actually didn't see it live. I've I've kind of heard it on the radio bits. I've, I've just been so busy lately. I guess yeah. I haven't had time to to watch it yet. But I, from what I heard, it was pretty awkward. And I, but I mean, they're both. At least Aaron Rodgers is a pretty good sport about it. At least and and I think I, the awkwardness I, was scripted. I, I watched it again. I actually did DVR it after I uh, heard about the the picture that they leaked on Twitter. And I'm pretty sure that the fake hug was kind of. It looked very scripted the second uh, time I watched it. Okay. Yeah, I guess then you would have better insight on that than I would, but I I'd still imagine they're not best buddies behind the scenes and nor do they have to be, but I I think it was uh it was a nice thing for them to do and I I know like you guys had mentioned last week I got to hear some of the show hopefully at least maybe opening the door for Brett to to sort to eke his way back and Green Bay Packers fans hearts and back into the community a little bit. Yeah, and Aaron Rodgers seems to be championing this now. Um, where he is the guy who has said on his radio show that he has that he thinks that it's time for Brett to come back and be recognized for his accomplishments here. And he said that he's confident in his own uh, standing as far as his legacy with the Packers. And mm-hmm. he said something that he would like to add to that is to kind of put the 
to bed this whole messy chapter that um, obviously he didn't say it involved him because it really didn't, but um, it was kind of interesting to basically sort of subtly say the ball is in your court, Green Bay. I mean, Brett's on board, and I'm okay with it, so it's your move. And I guess thinking to me, I think that if Bob Harlan comes forward and says he wants this, I think Mark Murphy would want it. Um, To me, the guy that I feel would be the most reluctant would be Mike McCarthy for whatever reason. I think Ted probably doesn't care. It was probably out of sight, out of mind as soon as Favre left, uh, just kind of his his mentality. It seems like McCarthy would be the one to get emotionally attached because he felt it as a threat to his authority as the leader of the team when Favre tried to come back in 08. Yeah, and I guess I can see that, but I don't even think McCarthy would put up any fight towards it, really. I think it's mm-hmm. it's up to Mark Murphy, I think, at this point to kind of make it happen, and I don't I really don't see why. I mean, I I understand everybody needed a few years, and I think I needed a few years, too, before (laughs) I would be really excited about it. But I'm getting to that point, and I think everybody else should, too. I mean, if, you know, if if Aaron Rodgers is out there saying it, you would be maybe the, he would maybe be the last guy you would expect to come out and start Mm -hmm. saying stuff like that with sort of the things that Brett's, uh, said over the last few years. So if he's open to it, um, and the community's, open to it now, I would say at this point, I'd say let's just do it, mm-hmm. uh, retire the number, have a nice ceremony uh, either this year or next, and just kind of get that chapter finished with and close the door and just, you know, welcome into Green Bay Packer history. Yeah, and I don't know about you, but I really want to go to that game when he's retired. Uh, I mean, I his can, number's retired. I could live without it, <laughs> personally. I think it would be fun to see, but uh, I don't know. I get defensive about Favre these days, actually. Really like, do. Well, I, I think it happened after the Super Bowl when all I heard for everything was the only two Packers quarterbacks to be Super Bowl MVP are Star and Rodgers. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Like, kind of like rubbing it in Favre's face like this guy was, you know, frickin' Blair Keel. I mean, he, he, was, he was a pretty important person in Green Bay, regardless of how douchey he was at times. Um I, I, I mean, we've had this on some what-if segments. It, people kind of treated him like he was, you know, the third string behind Rodgers and Starr, and he just was kind of the jerk in between when, in actuality, that's grossly unfair to how important he was and how much people actually did enjoy watching him. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think he did bring that on himself a little bit. I mean, he, he yeah. helped create the animosity, and I don't think if he was a, a real nice guy that anybody would have, you know, even brought that set up or said anything. I mean, he had a lot to do with it, too, but you, you absolutely can't dismiss what he did. I mean, at yeah. this point, still probably, you could argue, the best quarterback in franchise history, I might say second, maybe behind Bart Starr, but it's probably pretty close. Yeah, Starr's um, got the rings. Yeah, right. So, I mean, Rodgers isn't there yet. He might have more Super Bowl MVPs than Favre, but his career isn't <laughs> at that point yet. Yeah, so... The new news that we have gotten recently was the release of Charles Woodson, and uh, we touched upon that a little bit here, and I guess I'll let you go with that, because the Packers seem to be determined this offseason to rid themselves of anyone that you really, really like, and so now they've gotten rid of Charles Woodson as well. Uh, what was your reaction to that? Uh, well, I guess to kind of touch on what you just said before we really get into Woodson going elsewhere, I, I was kind of thinking to myself, like, what is the saturation point or, like, the breaking point for a Packer fan? I mean, if you think about all the things they've done this offseason, getting rid of three of the four, I would say maybe three of the five most popular guys on the team mm-hmm. uh, and Driver, Jennings, and Woodson, maybe Clay Matthews and, and Rodgers, I would say, are the other two in there. Yep. So, but what is a point where a, a Packer fan gets so mad that they're, they're doing this that they, you know, start losing interest? And I think Packer fans is, is going to be a little more tolerant than most fan bases, but mm-hmm. I mean, 
there's some strong attachments to these players they're just letting walk. And you know, I, I don't know if maybe you even, I don't think you can possibly even have an answer to that. And mm-hmm. I would think mine's pretty high, but what is your, like, what is the saturation point for this where it's just like, alright, enough. Like, I can't take this anymore. They're getting rid of everybody. Well, if they decide to fire Dom Capers and trade Clay Matthews, um, that would be something, but I don't know. I mean, it's hard, and it's kind of the, once you have the franchise quarterback, everybody's expendable in the minds right. of the fans. I mean, they let a lot of pretty important guys go when Favre was here, but because Favre was, you know, the, the most beloved person in the state, people kind of didn't care. Yeah. Um, I think Rodgers has built up that kind of feeling with the fans at this point, but... I'm kind of getting to that point where Jennings is the one that bothers me the most because they had a thing today in the Journal Sentinel or or in the last couple of days where they talked about Driver's career on a year-by-year basis. And somebody pointed out that his 05, 06, 07, when he was at his absolute best, is what Greg Jennings is entering right now in terms of his career. And to, to just let him walk and say we can do it with James Jones and Randall Cobb and Jordy Nelson, none of which have ever been a featured target on their own. And, and that, that one just really bothers me. You're letting all of your team leaders go, essentially, in one offseason. Right. I mean, Clay, BJ, Raji, none of those guys have ever had to be team leaders. Rogers has assumed that role, but he's still one guy. I mean, you used to have four, now you have one. And I just feel that I want to see what they do if they do anything with free agency, because it really seems like Ted Thompson, he's done some good things with his his philosophy. But I heard a comment on the radio. It was probably the best comment that I've heard, and it basically articulated in one sentence what I've tried to say in 20 minutes. <laughs> and he said that, I don't think the Packers are in good shape going forward because McCarthy and Ted Thompson viewed catching lightning in a bottle in 2010 as validation that their system works. Yeah. And that's scaring me to death, that they're letting some of these guys go. And you know they're not going to get a free agent to replace any of these guys. They're going to draft some dude out of NC State, or they're going to go get some guy out of Montana, and they're going to try to get them to replace Charles Woodson and get them to replace Greg Jennings. And if you really look at it, I'm getting to the point where I'm getting very frustrated with with Ted Thompson especially, and that, I don't know, I mean... I just think they caught, they had a run. I don't think they built this great franchise. I think they've been able to maintain it and they're gonna be competitive, but as far as building a Super Bowl contender every year, I don't know if I trust him to do it considering that outside of his phenomenal record of drafting wide receivers, he got lucky with Aaron Rodgers, he made a shrewd move with Clay Matthews, and pretty much everybody else is just average to above average if you look at who he's drafted in the last four years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think you're right too. I mean, I hate to see that as the the precedent where you're just going to get rid of every veteran. Like, like you said, you you have guys like BJ and Clay. Like, can you really see BJ Raji stepping up and being a big time leader or anything? No. I mean, he could be a great player on the field and lead that way, but it's just not a guy you see doing the things that like Jennings and Woodson and Driver did. Mm-hmm. It's it's scary to me to lose all those guys at once and really only have. One leader, and on top of that, I know not a great player, but they lost Jeff Saturday too, mm-hmm. another uh, veteran voice in the locker room as well. So, um, with, like you said, with their method of only bringing in rookies, not doing any free agents, they don't have a whole lot of leadership or veteran players on this team right now, and that is kind of scary, especially when you've only seen it work for one season. So, uh, you know, it's tough. I, I really hope they're right, and sometimes, you know, I have to give them credit for being maybe even a little, like we said it 
before, a little cold at times, you know, doing the things that most people wouldn't be able to do. But mm-hmm. at, sometimes I also feel like there's reasons why most people wouldn't be letting all these guys go at once, too. Yeah. Um, well, and, and getting rid of a guy like Woodson, who was beat up quite a bit last year, mm-hmm. I mean, that makes sense. And maybe n- not forcing driver to retire but not being too enthusiastic about his prospects to return but to let a guy like jennings walk i mean he he's essentially what like right now would be like if if you're looking at like reggie wayne's career this would be like 2004 or something for like greg jennings it's like you think this guy's gonna fall off the page and it was clear once he got healthy in december he is so much better and i know we talked about this already but he is so much better than any of the other receivers they have on the team it's not Mm -hmm. even close yeah it's um you know and I, i think he does still have a lot left in the tank from what i've heard is he wants to get paid like one of the best receivers in the game like one of the top receivers and if that's the case, I, I guess I don't blame them too much um, because yeah. I, I don't think he's quite worth that. I mean, he means a lot to the team, maybe quite not quite worth the money that he's going to be demanding. But, you know, and at the same time with Woodson, from everything that I've heard, they didn't even offer him a pay cut mm-hmm. or an option to take a decreased salary, that's which true. maybe he told them up front he wasn't willing to do or something like that that we don't know. But from everything I've heard, they didn't even offer it to him. Yeah, and, and I understand the money idea, I guess, but... Who are you storing up to pay? You're going to pay Aaron. You're going to pay yep. Clay. But, I mean, there's a lot of other positions that need... It's, it's not like you're going to go out and get some other free agents. I mean, is the fifth-round draft choice from the Big East that's going to play uh, safety next year? Is that guy going to demand a lot of money? I mean, I, I mean, what are you saving the money for? You never use it. So, I, I guess... There's being shrewd with your money, and then other times it just feels like you're being cheap or... A lot of times, and we'll see what happens this off season, but it feels like Ted Thompson's, uh, I guess, personnel philosophy feels a little bit too close to a personnel religion for me at right. times. So we'll see. I guess we'll have a lot of those discussions as we near the draft, but um, I, I don't like it. So I guess, do you want to put a period at the end of Charles Woodson's career? I know we talked about kind of the ramifications of losing him and, and Ted Thompson's role in all of this, but uh, just your thoughts on his career here since he was definitely one of your favorites and, and mine as well. Right, and, and I know we've talked about this previously, but that stretch from like 2008 to 2010 was about as good as I've ever seen a defender. Mm-hmm. I mean, that 2009 year especially, I can't remember ever seeing a cornerback having that big of an impact on on a team, like, you always knew he was going to make a play, and I don't know if I've ever seen anything like what he was that year. Mm-hmm. And I know we had the luxury of seeing him every game, whereas opposed to other guys, we might not. But his his best was, I think, one of the best I've ever seen, and it was mm-hmm. really fun to watch. And um, even the years before, they you know, 06, 07, and even you know, the 2011, he was still a great player and it's it's kind of bizarre how he comes over from Oakland and just a couple of years into it finally kind of starts to hit his stride later in mm-hmm. his career and and really just turned it on and you have to probably give Dom Capers a little credit for that but what he was doing for that that 3 or 4 year stretch was unprecedented and I don't mm-hmm. I don't know if we'll see anything like that for a while Yeah, I agree and I mean, he really flourished once Dom Capers got here, like you said, but like he was still, I think he had like eight interceptions in 06 when, uh, who was that? Bob Sanders was the defensive coordinator yeah. and, and he was really good in 07. And, and remember, he was a really good punt returner for a couple of years when he got here. And I, I don't remember him having done that the last couple of years he was in Oakland. Until Jared Bush took him out. Oh, for gosh sakes. I forgot about that stupid play. You'd have scored a touchdown. 
And then Jared Bush trips him, and then that probably cost us that Dallas game the next week, yeah. too. <laughs> oh, man. Well, he's good at special teams now, I guess. Well, yeah. But when I think of Charles Woodson as a Packer, every single time, the first thing I think of is that 2009 game against Dallas, when he basically won it by himself. Mm-hmm. When he had, what, he had the forced fumble on the long catch to Roy Williams in a 0-0 game. He had a strip sack of Tony Romo that resulted in a fumble and kind of the game icing touchdown. And then when the Cowboys are driving all the way back to get uh, a score, which would have given them a chance at a last-second rally, he intercepts it on the goal line. Uh, it was absolutely phenomenal, and it's one of my absolute favorite Packer memories uh, just for him. And I guess we can't really speculate on where he's going to go at this point. It's it's hard to tell, but what do you think his prospects are for the Hall of Fame coming up in five, six years? I would hope he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I, from things that I've heard a little bit that some people are kind of on the edge, pretty much everybody seems to think he will be a Hall of Famer, but a lot of people think he's not a first ballot guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know you and I both, one of our major qualifications are, were you the best you know, at your position, were you a guy that other teams had to worry about? And like we said, for those three years, he was the best. I, people can talk about Darrell Rivas all they want being a cover corner, but he was an absolute playmaker mm-hmm. um, and almost like an offensive player on the defensive side of the ball. And the best on that side of the ball won a defensive MVP. I think that should really make him – I mean, it depends on who comes out with him, too, who's eligible at the same time. But I really hope that people understand what he did – um, and maybe not put too much stock into his average years in Oakland and kind of look at how great he was when he was here as well and mm-hmm. hopefully put him on first ballot. Yeah, I would have to agree. And I think the thing that I just saw, I, I just looked up his stat line quick, he has 55 career interceptions. And other than Ed Reed and Aeneas Williams, uh, those are the only guys to debut in, oh, and Darren Sharper, are the only guys in the top 20 all-time in career interceptions that debuted in the 90s. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of guys like uh, Night Train Lane and and guys like that who were picking off a lot of really lame duck passes in the 50s and 60s and and padding their stats. But, um, yeah, so I think that's certainly going to help his uh, credentials. Real quick, in his eight years and 106 games for the Raiders, he had 17 interceptions and he scored two touchdowns. Uh, in his seven years and a hundred games for the Packers, he had 38 interceptions and scored 10 touchdowns. Yeah, incredible. So, man, must suck to be a Raider fan, huh? <laughs> it's like yeah, the reverse yeah. of the 70s. Like, if a guy's really good for you, he's or a good player playing for the Raiders stinks until he goes elsewhere, as opposed to when they were winning Super Bowls, players that weren't that good go to Oakland and thrive. Right, and I don't even think that... Like greater fans can be that mad at their management for letting him go. I mean, he was he was definitely a good player there, and I think he made the Pro Bowl a couple of years. But he mm-hmm. was. It's kind of funny how, like I mentioned before, as soon as he got to Green Bay, it just like <laughs> something clicked. I don't know if it was the system they were running in Oakland wasn't a, a great fit for him or something, but he just all of a sudden became a, a great Hall of Fame type player as soon as he left Oakland. Well, it's clear that he just wanted to play up here for the for the frozen tundra and the best fans, and he just loved all the great people up here in the Midwest, you know. Yeah, that's why probably because it, it took him uh, us being his last option in order to come here. <laughs> I think it was his only option. We're the only right. team to offer him a contract, I think. Yep. So I'm glad that worked out. So uh, does Ted get credit for that one? Not to pile on him, but... Um, well, I, he's not willing to make free agent signings a whole lot, and he pulled the trigger on that one. And I definitely appreciate that he did. So I'll, yeah. I'll give him a little bit of credit. I mean, it was probably not too hard of a signing with that being the only team offering him a contract, but mm-hmm. I, he went out there and he got it done, so I guess I'll give Ted a little bit of credit on that one. 
Even Ted Thompson will go to the free agent market when one of your starting cornerbacks going into the offseason is Ahmad Carroll. <laughs> yeah, that's that's desperation. <laughs> All right, so uh, we're going to have some other Packers offseason stuff to talk about. Uh, we're going to have a show roughly every two weeks during the offseason here, so uh, if you have any other topics that you think we should address, you can let us know on our Facebook page, Green and Gold Forever Podcast. You can tweet at us, Green Gold Forever. That's the number four. Um, you can, uh, I guess, put a comment on greengoldforever.podbean.com or any other way that uh, we've ever publicized in any of our old shows as a way to let us know what you're thinking. So find us there. What if the past had turned out differently? The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. I was told that playing in Green Bay was not an option. With the 24th selection in the 2005 NFL Draft, the Green Bay Packers select Aaron Rodgers, quarterback, California. And Mikowski appears hurt. Uh, Mikowski's in great pain, Ahmad. And reliable sources now tell CBS Sports that Parcells is very close to accepting a Green Bay Packers offer. Gentlemen, let me introduce to you the new head coach of the Green Bay Packers, Mr. Phil Bankston. What would the past look like? What would the future look like? If. And that signals the start of What If, one of our favorite segments that kind of got put on the bench a little bit during the season since we had so many other things to talk about. But we had a number of great submissions from a fan, uh, John Bellish. Uh, he's actually a fan of the Denver Broncos, so uh, I guess we won't hold that against him too much. But he did provide us some great Packers questions, and we're going to get to one of those right now. Uh, he writes... What if Bobby Scott doesn't get hurt in 1974? Let me explain. Scott was the backup for New Orleans that year, and he was going to take over when Archie Manning was going to be traded. They had a trade in place with Green Bay, but when Scott got hurt, the deal was nixed. Uh, this, of course, was in the Dan Devine era. Once uh, this trade fell through... Out of desperation, they decided to trade a ton of draft choices, including two firsts, two seconds, and I believe two-thirds for John Hadle, the San Diego Chargers quarterback, who was already in his late, in his mid-30s. Uh, it ended up not working out in, I believe it was 1975. Hadle had one of the impressive uh, quarterback stat lines of six touchdowns to 21 interceptions on the season. So that's always a, a pretty solid outing from your, your signal caller. So the main thing here is what would have happened if Archie Manning had become a Packer in 1974? I guess we can talk about not only how we thought the Packers would have done, but if that would have changed anything as far as Archie Manning's career. Uh, Matt, would you like to take a stab at this, or would you like me to start? I'll let you go for this one. Okay. This one is tough for me, and... I guess the decision comes down to is how good you thought Archie Manning was. And they had a really rough time in New Orleans. Uh, he was 35 and 101 as a starter in his career. A lot of that wasn't necessarily his fault. He went to two Pro Bowls in the late 70s with the Saints. Um, I, I guess I'm kind of torn on this one. I think that it would have been an upgrade at the quarterback position for the Green Bay Packers. But the Packers had a pretty lousy uh, passing game themselves back mm -hmm. Uh, in the in the 1970s, and if you think about it, the main uh, contributor to that passing game was James Lofton, who would not have gotten there until uh, 1978. Uh, some of the other guys, they had Steve Odom, and they had uh, some of these other guys who who weren't exactly uh, uh, great players. Ken Payne was a leading receiver for the Packers two years, so. 
I think that if they get Archie Manning, they're a little bit more stable at quarterback, but I don't honestly think that Archie is much of an upgrade over either Lynn Dickey or um, maybe over David Whitehurst in the years when Lynn Dickey was injured. But I still think there's a good chance that Dickey beats him out if they're on the roster at the same time. They were about the same age. Um, Archie had... Two Pro Bowls, he had some better moments. He wasn't quite as bad as Lynn Dickey was when he was bad. But when Dickey was good, like in the early 80s, I don't think Archie ever approached Lynn Dickey's productivity in 83 and 84. So I would say that if Archie is would have been traded to the Green Bay Packers, instead of a beloved New Orleans Saints loser, he would have been a beloved Green Bay Packers loser. Okay, and I can definitely see that. And this is... Archie Manning's career is one that I'm actually would be interested to see more of his games and kind of mm-hmm. more to see because he has a really great legacy of maybe being the best quarterback on a bad team ever. Mm-hmm. Um, he's looked back at pretty highly upon, but you know I've never really seen him play that much. And for their records that they had, it I always kind of had the feeling well he couldn't have been that good if they lost constantly <laughs> either. But um, like you said, obviously the Hadel trade was a disaster and. Like you said, Archie coming to our team, I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, the team around him is still pretty bad. Having those couple of first-round, couple of second-round picks might have helped that a little bit. Um, Maybe they make the playoffs a few times or something like that. But, yeah, I I mean, I don't think our history has drastically changed. Mm -hmm. Uh, It would have been interesting to maybe see him with James Lofton there in 78-79, which are, like you said, the two years that he made the Pro Bowl. Mm -hmm. Uh, That might have been interesting to see, and... But, you know, other than that, I I think we're maybe a little bit better, but I, I don't think we're that drastically better where it really alters the history. Uh, and like you said, maybe he's looked back at almost the same kind of legacy on maybe a little bit better Packer team than the Saints teams were at that time, but mm-hmm. still kind of maybe is more of a love, lovable loser than an elite uh, winning quarterback. Yeah, and it's, it is tough to say because it changes a lot of things, and I, I completely didn't think about the point you brought up about the extra draft picks, and if John Hadle would have commanded what they gave him, though, they might have given up something pretty similar for Archie Manning, him being only 25 at the time, so we would have to see, obviously, Hadle had, you know, he was a kind of a borderline Hall of Fame level guy, like maybe not quite... Uh, a Hall of Famer, but certainly I'm trying to think of a good comparison of a guy who maybe, I don't know, maybe like a Danny White or, or something like that, where if he had a, maybe more playoff success, he could have been argued as a as a Hall of Fame candidate. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, they just were so bad in the 70s. They just had so little talent on a lot of those teams, and I think the coaching wasn't very good. I mean, everybody loves Bart Starr around here, but as a head coach, he really wasn't all that great. He could never seem to put the whole package together. He had some decent defenses at times in the 70s, but his offenses were horrible. Um, he had one season, I think it was 19, it was either 76 or 77, where they didn't even average 10 points a game. Yikes. Uh, so they, they had some rough times. So I just don't think the talent level was there for the Packers. And, and as bad as the Saints were, they only won about 42 games in the 70s. The Packers only won like 55 or 56. <laughs> so <laughs> both teams were pitiful. So I think that Archie would have had a less pitiful legacy, I guess, but I still think it would have been a, a pretty forgettable era of Packers football considering uh, what else has happened in the history of the team. And Archie is not in the Hall of Fame currently, right? No. Okay. Do you think he would have been if he was a Green Bay Packer in the 70s? Maybe just a few more wins out of that total would have helped him in? Um, no, I don't think so. I think maybe it would have helped a little bit for the 
you know, because the Packers still were, you know, if you look at 1975, they're they're less than 10 years removed from Vince Lombardi. So, right. I mean, obviously there's some more eyes on them and things like that. But um, I think that Archie Manning's legacy has been grossly overstated because how good his sons have been. Yep. And so I don't think he was that great. I actually pl- plugged in the numbers, and for his career, and, and and you make sure that it has the like fifteen hundred or two thousand pass attempts to make sure that everybody qualifies for official NFL stats. He's still only in the tw- like low twenties as far as career quarterback rating behind some guys like Craig Morton, who were never that good at all. So I would I would say that um, he would have had to been on like Pittsburgh or Dallas or something like that in order to get in the Hall of Fame. I think as a as a talent, he was a very talented player, but I, I just think that he he wasn't Dan Marino, you know, that didn't have enough talent around him to to win a Super Bowl. I think that um, he he was in I guess maybe in the better half of quarterbacks around that time, but I I wouldn't say he was an elite level one at any point in his career. All right, so that's just the first of a number of topics that John has sent us in, and we're actually going to spread those out over the next few episodes. And hopefully we can go more in-depth into some of these others that he has here. Uh, he had some great topics that he's given us, and we'd like to, to really dig deep into those. So uh, that's just kind of the first one. He also had a pretty good article that he sent to us that talks about the John Hadle trade and that potential Archie Manning trade as well. So I'm going to link that in the podcast on the Podbean page. So if you want to get a crash course in some 70s Packers history, uh, if you're unfamiliar with it, and many fans are just because there's not a lot going on in terms of the Packers, uh, you can read that and get some knowledge. So thanks again, John, and we're going to go over the rest of them that you sent to us uh, on some of our future podcasts. So that about wraps it up for this edition of Green and Gold Forever, a shorter edition being that it is the off season and there's not a lot to talk about. In about two weeks, the official NFL year kicks off, and then we'll get closer to things like free agency. If we don't have any, I, I don't remember the exact date. It's either, I thought it was March 1st, but now that I'm thinking about it, it might be March 12th. So Yeah, the, it, the first would be a Friday, so that doesn't sound right. Okay. Well, so maybe then we'll at least have some idea of where some of these major free agents are, are planning to go or, or something, but I'm sure we'll find something to talk about between now and then. So... Uh, until then, I guess we'll, we will let you all go, and I hope you enjoyed this very disorganized edition of Green and Gold Forever, but like I said, it is the off-season, so we're going to have some of these, and it's just kind of barstool talk going on, so if you have any contributions, we would love to hear them, um, and reach us at any of those uh, outlets that I mentioned before. So until then, for Matt in Fond du Lac, I'm sure enjoying his company training, and for me in Oshkosh, we will see you in two weeks. Thanks for joining us, everyone.